you're very good morning uh, and welcome along. It's the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday in the middle of October. And Porrick is back <laughs> with us this morning because Peter was here last he week. He was, he was. Did you miss me? Oh, well, we did miss uh, you, but we got on. We got <laughs> on rather did. well, I have to say. I bet you did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's always different, you know, when you have somebody uh, new in the studio and it takes a while sort of settle in. But of course. I, I think we, we, I think you've we, done we got on job. rather, That's rather it. fine. I'm yeah, just no, taking some more Saturdays off. Well, I think. You'll have good, to consult res- with the other gentlemen on that front. Yeah. I'm always here, but... <laughs> but a great response to the programme last week. Yeah, we did. Like, we, I suppose we talked a lot about... Um, Peter brought in quite a few plants, so we kind of went through some of those. And then um, we touched on things like, I suppose, plants on graves again came well, that, back up. That's a, a recurring theme lately, Yeah, Boric. all week we had a, a lot of people in and ringing the stores about plants for graves. And I suppose we're coming up to November, which is kind of the traditional time that people would tidy up the graves. And, and uh, it's All Souls Month, of course. So... Um, but a big a big response and in, I suppose in particular with the cold weather this week a lot of summer bedding plants are beginning to die off now mm. the marigolds and bizalizies and petunias the hard frost certainly kills them back and uh, so people will be thinking about a time this time really to to replenish not just the flower borders and beds but in particular uh, graves coming up to autumn coming up to the late October is, is a good time and I thought I'd just recap maybe on just some of the plants that Peter, Peter mentioned um, because he recommended some really really nice plants and plants that are ideal for putting into not just graves but containers or somewhere you want a bit of autumn winter colour mm. and he mentioned a few really popular plants and really nice plants for autumn colour one was the skimmia Reversiana, which is a lovely uh, dwarf low-growing plant. Yeah, and he had actually brought that into studio with him uh, as well, so it was nice to be able to see it in the the flesh, so to speak. Yeah, and and it has that lovely autumnal colour, the the red berries, the really scarlet red berries, which the birds dislike, as he said. They they won't pick them. They don't like the berries on Reversiana for some reason. They're not palatable to birds. And so they tend to last a long season right through till April, May of next year. And often some of the berries can be there the year after because they, they just stay on the plant. So that's a lovely, neat dwarf plant. Uh, flowers in the springtime, little white flowers in spring, and then lovely red berries at this time of year. So it's a nice plant, totally winter hardy. It'll tolerate all the frosts and snow and whatever that's thrown at it. But it stays very compact and small in a grave or in a container. And there's another lovely skimmia called Magic Merlot, which has variegated foliage. It's green and white leaves, okay. so very, very bright colours. And again, it's got lovely flower buds that stay on the plant through the winter period and then come into flower in April. And again, that plant stays very neat and tidy uh, on graves or in, or in small pots or containers. And again, totally winter hardy. So that's a very good magic merlot is one if you want to brighten up and give a splash of kind of bright colours. Um, and the skimmy reversiana is one a very good one if you want that kind of autumnal winter holly you know those lovely mm, red berries mm. through the winter Christmas period right into the spring of next year of course the winter heathers he mentioned some really nice uh, varieties of winter's heathers and they're just starting to flower now they're just coming into into flower and with this colder weather they tend to flower longer right through the, the depths of winter right into the spring of next year but a really good time to plant them and of course winter heathers will grow in any type of soil so they're dead easy and they're also good for graves I suppose they're, they are because they're, they're low growing they tend to smother out any weeds that might be you know yeah. the, the, that flash yeah. yeah prostrate kind of growth um, and generally we recommend when you're putting in heathers put them in, in groups of threes or five so pick an, an nice variety maybe like um, Merton Ruby which is a lovely red variety or Kramer's Red is a really rich pink um, and they give very good colour starting now and right through till April off in May of, of next year but put them in, in groups of threes or fives just to get that kind of one overall clumped effect which looks really well Spring bulbs he talked to we had a call this morning actually a lady rang this morning about the red tulip
tulips that were mentioned last week. So they're a lovely variety called Red Riding Hood. Easy to remember. What I like about them in particular is that they're very easy to grow. You plant them now. And if you're putting in, say, a small bed with some heathers mm-hmm. or that skimmy reversiana, you can put the bulbs in first and literally sit the plant, the heather, on top of them. And the bulb so will actually through, grow right through, through it. it, right through it, no problem mm. at all. It'll just pierce through the root and come straight up. So you can put maybe five or six bulbs into the bottom of the hole, then put your plant in. And varieties like Red Riding Hood have lovely variegated foliage. The mm-hmm. leaves are red and green, and then the flower appears in April, which is a scarlet red. And that's a lovely variety, again, for pots, containers, window boxes. Because they're, they're the shorter no. of tulip. Exactly. Mm. They're only six inches in height, uh, but yet they give a really dazzling display. And the bulbs are the to- type of plants that once you put them in, you can forget about them. Just put them in, put some plants on top of them and hey presto in the spring you get a lovely splash of colour uh, around the, the February, March, April period. And that yeah. Red Riding Hood is particularly nice because you've got the foliage colour for about a month before the flower then appears. So the heathers are, are really good. Another, another nice plant again for graves would be one called Euonymus Harley Quinn and it's got lovely variegated foliage. Again bright greens and white very white foliage and green foliage. So again, it has that splash of colour. Uh, it's foliage colour, so it's leaf colour you're relying on. It retains the leaf all year round. Mm-hmm. So it looks really good through the winter period. So I suppose it's, you know, as Peter said last week, it's a good time. You're going to be clearing out a lot of bedding plants um, over the next couple of weeks, particularly with the frost at night time. And it is a good time. The planting conditions and soil conditions are ideal for not just planting graves, but also planting containers or beds around the garden in general, just kind of tidying up yep. and replenishing a bit of colour and autumn of course is always it's nature's time to plant so it's always a good time to be putting new plants into the garden Okay, great yeah no it it was good It hit a chord certainly last week Covered quite a bit Um, uh, so and of course people can always go back and listen to the podcast either if they're they're not um, if they haven't caught all of the information That's true it's available on iTunes or it's available on on the Midwest uh, website as well Okay, so we also want to touch on hedging today. Yeah. I think you have a hedging weekend we coming have, up, have you? We have. Again, we're, we're right in, in the, the right time and certainly weather conditions couldn't be better for planting hedging plants and plants in general. But in particular, hedging should go in at this time of year. So we're thinking of things like golden and green laurel, beech, um, laurel, Portuguese laurel, berberus, the lovely uh, the yellow flowering berberus, all those hedging plants, Iliagnus, which is a great seaside uh, hedge, a very tough plant. So all this, the hedging plants go in dear to this time of year, mid-October to late October is the time to get them into the ground. And this year, above any year, with the really dry conditions, it's ideal planting conditions. So we decided to put on an advice weekend. So this weekend, this Saturday and Sunday, in our stores in Sligo, Galway and Turlock in Castlebar, uh, we have a hedging and lawn weekend. So we're, we have people there to advise you on the different types of hedging plants to put. So if, even if you want a small little low hedge, mm. you know, 18 inches, 2 feet, there's a plant to suit, right up to a hedge, 8 or 9 feet in height. And it's nice to come in and see the different choices and ranges of plants to see them in the flesh before you consider putting in a hedge. So this weekend, today and tomorrow, get down to the, the, the Castle Bar store in Turlock, in their store in Galwyn or more or in Sligo and we have a very good strong range of of hedging plants and we we have a crop of of new laurel plants this year that we've grown over the summer period they're lovely at the moment they're about um, because there was fantastic growth on laurels of all kinds I think during the year yeah really great year lovely bushy plants this year um, and they'll be on offer this weekend for two euros so they're really strong plants if you want to get some some really good plants (laughs) good Uh, deal folks good deal yeah so um, so yeah if if, if listeners want advice on hedging and, and lawn care as well again we're coming to the time of year when I suppose you're putting the lawn to bed 
even though people are still mowing it because yes. it's growing so fast. Yeah. But in things like uh, sowing new lawns in particular, so if you're thinking of putting in a lawn now for next spring, now is the time actually to, to start getting the ground ready and putting the seed in and it'll germinate be- between now over the next five or six weeks. But it's also the time to get on top of the moss, get on top of the weeds and really kind of put the, the lawn to bed for the winter so we have somebody to talk to you about that in each of the stores as well. Great. So that's a free a free weekend on hedging and lawn care in, in Sligo, Galway and Castlebar today and tomorrow. Okay, so if people are thinking about that and I suppose it is a recurring question in fairness, we notice on the programme uh, lots and lots of questions about hedging so this would be an ideal opportunity maybe to just take it that one step further yeah. and go and see the actual plants and maybe think about where exactly you're putting them and what the soil conditions are like and all that kind of thing. It is and, and you know typically we're always asked about uh, people want things that are going to grow fast and it's not always the best thing to put in a fast growing hedge. Depending no on and I suppose just on my own limited experience and I stress the word limited also think about um, whether it's you know damp soil or so- soil that's you know prone to getting a little bit waterlogged Very or not because that can actually slow things up if you do like I know the last 12 months have been particularly good but prior to that it was very wet for a couple of years and things struggled you know that wouldn't that don't like to be saturated all the time yeah there's a, there's a plan for every yeah, location. So and bear all those things in mind. There, all those things are critically important because you're dead right. Even if there's just a wet area in the, in the hedge, that will will reduce the growth and, and it will retard the plants and hold them back. And sometimes they'll even die away in that section. So it is important to, to do it properly. Yes, exactly. To do it and properly. The best, and the best way to do that <laughs> is to talk to the experts first. Well, that's it. And now it's a good time of year, really. I suppose that's the message yeah. if listeners are thinking about hedge. And, and so, you know, on my travels, I'm still surprised the amount of dead hedges that are still left yes, and haven't there been replaced. Yes, yeah, I've noticed one or two of the old, um, the Escalonia, yeah. had, like only been taken up in the last, kind of the latter end of the summer yeah. that had uh, kind of stayed there for the last three years, really, yeah. I suppose. And there's some still know? there. That yeah. And I suppose people are reluctant to take them out because they don't want to leave the garden naked and bare. No, and it's and it's such a big job, particularly if they were long-rooted um, a hedge, you know, yeah. that are well, that were really well-established. And It can be a job in itself yeah. to take them out, but really, at some stage, you've got to grasp the nettle and you've got to take it out because the timber is going to rot anyway over a period and it is going to disintegrate. So, you know, over the next number of years that hedge will you know, the, naturally enough, it's it's organic matter, it's yes. going to just die away and, and so really, and particularly this year with the autumn being so good, so with the soil conditions being so good, planting conditions, I can't stress that enough, have just been excellent for even even moving plants if you're to consider moving plants it's really great weather for digging plants up moving them or in particular putting in new plants they're just going to settle in so well and I believe next week we're back into warmer temperatures again Well I mean even the the, we're after reading a forecast there that there's nothing really wrong with I mean it's 12 or 13 to 14 degrees tomorrow yeah. I know we had a bit of frost in the middle of the week Which now is no harm. nothing terribly uh, severe but no. just back again to Too milder yeah back to growth again next week so yeah. it's it's just really great planting weather in particular okay so get out there you have no excuse okay <laughs> we have well I'll tell you we, we have lots of questions okay. in Borek we're going to take a quick little break and uh, we're going to turn our attention to some of those you can text us in it's 087 900 4141 if you are texting with thanks to C&C Cellular you can phone us as well we're keeping Teresa nice and busy as per usual on 0818 3055 and garden at midwestradio.ie if you feel like emailing us we're back in a moment. 
Now you're very welcome back. Okay, we were talking there about hedges and actually one of the first questions in this morning is relating to hedges. So we'll come to that uh, first of all and it is my beloved laurels. <laughs> Somebody who has them down for two years and they're wondering when is the best time to cut them? Two years. Well, they'll have made a lot of growth um, during the summer months. Really what I would do is just tip them back, take them back to an even height. So if, for example, the hedge is around four foot but you've got some shoots that might mm. have gone up to five or six feet, take them all back to that four foot height. So just tidy Thing, everything back to, a, to a, a universal height and again just trim the sides lightly and you can do it at this time of year um, it's a good time to do it ideally when you have laurel prune them in midsummer because when you when you prune them back you're encouraging all lots of side shoots then to fill in whereas to in to a certain degree you're taking away some of that growth at yeah. the moment and you're kind of wasting it now it still is the right thing just to tip it back so take it back to a universal height and trim the sides lightly and leave it alone for the winter and it'll be perfectly okay but this but next summer feed it in in april early may uh, with a good tree and shrub feed and then around June, early July after it's made its first flush of growth that's the time just to tip it back trim it back at that stage and that encourages all the side shoots then to fill in together and you get a tighter uh, more denser hedge and you, you kind of avoid that legginess coming into the, the autumn period. Right. So right now I would just a go l- out a there. Light, light tipping light, back. Yeah, take it to a universal height an overall height that you want to kind of trim it at and trim the sides lightly as well and it'll be perfectly fine. Lovely. Uh, now, a listener has picked the last of the raspberries from oh, their lovely. autumn canes. Great. When is the correct time to prune them now, back? You now, you actually, yeah, autumn, autumn fruiting raspberries um, have fruited over the last two to three weeks and as soon as you take the fruit off them, that's the trigger to cut them back and you cut them back really severe, right back to an inch from ground level. So cut them right uh, hard back. If you've got summer flowering raspberries Mm -hmm. and they fruit kind of June, July sort of period. The trick with them is to prune out the canes that fruited this year. So as you take the fruit off them in the middle of the summer, you follow back the the shoot and prune it out, leaving the young growth that it has made this year to grow on. So you treat them slightly different, but in this case, it's autumn fruiting raspberries. So all the fruit have been taken off them, just mow them back right to ground level clear off any weeds that might be there, kind of tidy them up. And if you've got any old compost, maybe some compost you've made yourself in the garden, it's a good idea to put a mulch of that around the base of the raspberries at this time of year and that'll boost them on for next year. Great. Autumn raspberries are probably one of the easiest varieties like Autumn Bliss one of the easiest raspberries because you don't even have to think about once you take the fruit off them you cut them back and that's it and they they regrow then during the summer of next year and you get your fruit on them in the autumn again so they're the easiest of all raspberries to grow Oh, okay, very good. Um, a poplar, variegated poplar porig. Um, somebody's wondering, can they take cuttings of variegated poplars? The leaves are still on them at the moment. Yeah, um, for, first of all, that the variegated poplar is grown for that variegated leaves, the lovely kind of pink and peachy colour leaves in, in summertime. Um, it's they're very very easy to root from cuttings so take your cutting and you can actually take them quite long so you can take the cuttings anything up to a foot and a half two feet in length um, of this year's wood so pick nice new shoots that have made this summer uh, cut them about two feet long cut them at a node where the leaf joins the stem and strip off all the leaves take every leaf off the, the so you've, you're left with a naked stem get yourself a small tub of rooting powder and dip the base of the poplar cutting into the rooting powder now what I would do is is Take about maybe eight or ten cuttings and put them into a, put them maybe three to four inches apart in a circular pattern. 
like a like a big saucer uh, and stick the cuttings into the ground. Bury them about, if you're taking two foot cuttings, certainly put about a foot into the ground and create this kind of circular pattern with 10 or 12 shoots and allow those shoots to form one big clump of poplar, if that makes sense. So you're allowing the eight or ten cuttings to root together and grow together and you'll form like a, a poplar shrub and it'll give you lots of colour. Once they, they root, and they will root possibly by January, February of next year, cut them hard back. So cut the remaining stems back to within about three to four inches from ground level. And the poplar will come into growth then in the spring and you get lots of colour. So they very, very easy to, to, to root from cuttings. Do remember to use a little bit of rooting powder. Take the cuttings quite long with poplars, about two feet long. Strip off the leaves, dip them into the rooting powder and stick them directly into the ground. You could add a little bit of sand or compost to the soil, to the planting hole, before inserting them. Uh, but put about eight or ten cuttings in closely together, right. forming a circle. And that will give you a lovely clumped effect of variegated poplar then next summer. Excellent. Okay. Now we have one or two questions actually on Leylandii hedges. Okay. Um, one on text and actually one on the email. Yep. I'm just after noticing as well. So first of all, the text one that came in. Um, my Leylandii hedge is eight foot. It's trimmed once a year and sh- this person would like advice on taking it down to six foot power. Okay. Well, remember with Leylandii that there's no problem reducing the overall height of, of the hedge. It's the width you've got to worry about and you cannot prune Leylandii too severely. You can't go cutting them back, you know, shaving back the, mm. the side growth into older wood because they won't reshoot. So there's no problem taking the height down, taking the two feet because the young growth that's on the sides will cover that up. So the listener can simply I would leave it until springtime, leave it until March, early April and then cut it, literally take the two, two feet off the top of the hedge, bringing it back to six feet trim the sides lightly in March, early April and the new growth will cover up the the section that has been trimmed and cut. So the trick with the land is remember to, to prune them every year as the listener is doing it. Ideally, late spring, early summer is the time to trim Lelandia on an annual basis um, and n- never prune them severely into old wood. So never cut the sides back into brown wood because it won't reshoot again. So it's just to be careful with when pruning them. But there's certainly no problem reducing the overall height, taking an eight-foot plant down to six feet. Okay, great. And another listener, uh, Therese, good morning to you. Um, on an email, Lalandia hedge, about eight to ten foot high, but four of them have died right in the middle of the hedge. Well, again, it, it, it depends on the... I mean, there's a couple of things that can happen. Over pruning, severe pruning can, can literally just stop them from, from regrowing and uh, you don't get the, them shooting, reshooting again uh, and, and the plants just fail and die and they, they need to be taken out. The other thing that they can suffer from is a root disorder. Right. Um, and there's a disease of, of Leylandia called uh, bootless fungus, which is a fungal disease of the roots. Um, the roots just rot. Uh, and and die away and particularly if you have got a hedge where you have four or five plants together side by side that would be an indication that you may have a fungus phytophthora or or bootless fungus in there anyways if they're gone brown they're dead Right. so you need to take them out they've got to come out anyway if it's a fungal disease you'll notice that the roots have rotted there'll be quite a strong smell off the roots decaying kind of smell off the roots Um, and you can treat that soil with armillotox which is a fungal treatment that will counteract the damages of of, uh, bootless fungus so So it won't spread to the healthier plants exactly it'll stop it from spreading to the healthier plants so my advice really is to take the four or five damaged plants completely out of the hedge maybe even change the soil that's there put in some fresh soil treat the soil area and the 
the plants beside them with the armillotoxin. You can literally put it into a watering can and pour it around the roots of the plants and that'll protect them. And then you can plant... Now, Lilandia, you can buy them as fairly mature plants. So mm. if the listener wants to put in a kind of a six or seven foot plant to fill up the gap, they are available in both the green and, and the uh, golden varieties of Lelandii. So, you know, you're not starting off with a small young plant and waiting forever for it to grow. You can actually put them in quite mature and, and fill up the hedge again. Okay. And, and this is a very good time to do that. So great. So the really the advice there is to really check to see what has caused, caused it, the, yeah. the damage. Over pruning will certainly will certainly cause where you're shaving the plants back very severely every year, and uh, you you're just bringing out that browning, and eventually the plant just gives up. Right. It just it just you know it just cannot rejuvenate, and the plant exhausts itself and, and dies away. The other problem could be, and particularly where if there's four or five together in a row. It could be a root disorder called Phytophthora or bootlace fungus. Gets the name because it, the the, the fungal uh, disease leaves a bootlace type tread on the roots, so it's very distinctive. So you'll and be you able get, to really see it. You as will, well, and you'll get the odor when you lift the the plant. So you get that kind of rotting smell from the the roots. The roots basically have have rotted and died uh, because of the fungal disease, and um, it can spread onto other conifers. Right. Okay. beside them. So, so a bit of our millotox will sort that, change the soil and put in some new plants and again it's a good time for planting uh, replacing plants that may have failed. Okay, now you mentioned bulbs there when we yeah. started off this morning. Um, a listener ha- would like to know if it is time to put down sweet pea, crocus and hydrangea bulbs into the greenhouse. Okay. Do you need to put them in the well, greenhouse? That's unusual about that que- question. Uh, mm. So, oh, I don't know. Now you see, here we go. <laughs> no. They don't. They're not really bulbs. No, they are bulbs. I don't know. Crocuses are well, bulbs. Sweet pea, yeah. I'm not so sure about. So hydrangea. sweet pea is sown from seed. Yeah. Uh, crocus from bulbs. Bulbs. And hydrangeas from seed. plants. Plants. From plants or oh. cuttings. You can take cuttings at this time of year. But in, in terms right. of bulbs, in terms of bulbs. <laughs> I said the crocus was a bulb. <laughs> you did. You did. You did. You're you're on the money. Oh yeah. Uh, so look at in terms of planting bulbs. Yes, this is the time of year. So crocus, dwarf daffodils, snowdrops, bluebells all the red riding hood tulips I yep. mentioned before it's a great time hyacinths the lovely high scented hyacinths um, they all can be planted from bulbs at this time of year you can simply pot them up into pots if you're not ready to put them into the garden and stick them in the greenhouse or literally stick them outside they'll grow away in the pots over the winter which allows you then in the spring to put them exactly where you want them to flower so potting bulbs up this time of year is a great idea and when you're putting them into pots I always advise putting two layers so fill up the the pot maybe by a quarter with some compost put in three or four tulip bulbs another layer of compost another three tulip bulbs so you're creating two layers within the one pot and that'll give you a great show next spring and that you can literally just leave them outside um, and they'll root away over the winter and then in February or March you can place them exactly where you want them to flower. Alternatively, you can put them straight into the ground now to flower. So, you know, again, if going back to the graves, if you want to put some crocuses, which would be lovely, they'll be lovely and short and very colourful in February and March, they can be planted at this time of year and the soil conditions are just perfect for putting them in. Um, I wouldn't leave it too late because what you'll find is with the good weather, garden centres are actually selling out of bulbs right. because the weather has been great for, for planting them. So mm. do it you know, plant them over the next couple of, of days if possible. In terms of the hydrangea, was hydrangea, it? Yep. Hydrangea, you can take from cuttings at this time of year and root them, exactly like I mentioned with the poplars, except you take shorter cuttings. Um, or you can plant them as plants at this time of year. And the other plant was what? what was Sweet pea. Sweet pea from seed. So again, sow the seed indoors on a windowsill, uh, in a pot or a tray. It was soak the seed overnight. So take the sweet pea, throw it into a glass of warm water, leave it there overnight. Following morning, take it out. 
what will happen is overnight is the seed sure. will absorb the moisture. Right. And start germinating, isn't it? it? Well, it plumps them up and it makes it easier for the seed to absorb moisture so that you get the wrinkled seed plumped up overnight and it, it makes it easier and they, they germinate faster. So stick in a bit of warm water overnight then strain it and then the following morning sow it in a pot of compost, small pot or tray, cover with a bit of cling film. The sweet pea will germinate within about 10 to 15 days indoor. So you've got to say a warm windowsill with a radiator underneath. That's the perfect location. Leave the cling film on until you see the sweet peas popping through. And then when they're about inch, inch and a half high, you can uh, put them into small pots and again, grow them in a greenhouse or maybe a cold shed, somewhere that's bright but cool. Or you can plant them out of doors as well, but the trouble is that the slugs often get them over the winter period. Oh, okay. So if you if you had a little cloche or a little tunnel or a greenhouse or even a pane of glass to put over them, that helps to protect them through the winter period. And by sowing sweet pea in the autumn at this time of year, you end up with bigger blooms, longer stems, better plants really, and they flower earlier. So nice. they're well worth sowing from seed at this time of so you get, and, and will they last longer then as well? Or uh, well, well, sweet peas. If they flower earlier. Well, they, they, they last longer if you if you dead head them. If you if you, oh, yeah. if you take them as cut flowers on a regular basis, they'll actually still be in flower this time of year in October. If you take them, the the, the trouble with sweet pea is that if they're not picked on a regular basis to just produce seed and stop flowering right. but if you're constantly taking the blooms off them, they continue right. to flower. Right. The other the other great tip with growing sweet pea is to use organic matter, use rotted farm manure or compost when you're planting them into the soil in springtime or if you're planting them, say, in, in November, put in some organic matter. They actually absolutely love that. Perfect. So there you go, sweet okay, peas. Lots, lots of information there on, on a variety of uh, plants for uh, bringing them on for the springtime. Right, one more and we'll take a little break. Uh, from sweet pea to garlic, uh, okay. slightly different odour. Um, when sowing garlic pork, do you sow the entire clump or do you break it off and sow each individual clove? So what, what you do is, you, when you buy them in the, in the garden centres this time of year, they're, they're in exactly like you buy them in the shops, the big clump. clump. You split them up. Yeah. So each clump will give you maybe six or seven cloves of garlic. Okay. And if you go to your local garden centre, they'll have different varieties like Cristo or uh, Mario. There's different varieties of garlic depending on your palate. So depending on how strong you like your garlic. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So there's mild flavour garlic, yeah. garlic and there's... Strong. Very strong. There's about three or four different varieties that you can buy. You plant them all exactly the same way. So you split up the cloves, yeah. put them into the garden. Say where you grew a bit of potatoes this year. That would be the ideal location to plant some garlic. They're totally winter hardy, so you don't have to worry about frost or snow or anything at all. Plant them out now. Put them down so that the nib of the garlic is just about peeping through and space them about six inches apart in a line. And that's all you've got to do. Just stick them into the ground. And so then. one clump of garlic will sow about six or seven um, new clumps yeah. for you. And, and simple as that, and leave them. And by planting, they need their, their garlic needs a long growing period. So the sooner you plant them, this sort of weather is ideal to plant. They'll actually start to grow through the winter. Yeah. And then you'll harvest the, that particular crop uh, August, September of next year. Okay. So, so they're about two months earlier than planting them, say, in the springtime, plant right. them in February or March. Okay, great stuff. And uh, they, yeah, and if you had some, if you had a garlic plant already, and you know the way they go to seed. Yeah. Uh, so can you can you create them then from that seed? Well, as if well, if, if if listeners have grew garlic, say this yeah. summer, they could lift some of the cloves, the cloves of garlic, 
and 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 just sp- break them break up, them up and replant them. Right. The trouble with buying them in in supermarket, we're often asked, well, can I not use the one from the supermarket? Yeah. The trouble is sometimes they're treated to right. stop them from sprouting oh, okay. because the gar- the, the green grocer because otherwise they'll grow well, exactly well, yeah, exactly so you're better to get the actual <clears throat> clumps and as I say if you go to your local garden yeah. centre they'll have generally three or four varieties so depending on you know some people like a milder flavour garlic some like a really strong yeah. so depending on what you want um, there are different varieties to suit it's also the time of year for planting Japanese onion sets right. and shallots so they're available if you want kind of um, spring onions, early spring onions. They're available in bulbs at this time of year. So red barren, the lovely red skinned, mild flavour yeah. thing. You can plant those. So if you if you've got a spare piece of ground, again put in some garlic, but put some put some Japanese onion sets in as well, and you'll you'll be harvesting them about May of next year. So. Lots to be done. Lots to be done there, right. We're going to take a a quick little break. Also, uh, you can keep your questions coming to us on 087-900-41 and Midwest Radio Time Check in association with O'Brien Tractors in Bohola. It is just coming up on 23 minutes away from 10. With O'Brien Tractors Bohola, main Landini dealer in the west of Ireland. 094-938-4217 and obriantractors.com. You're very welcome back. Right, uh, questions, questions, questions. For like, where were we at all here? We were kind of having a look to see uh, what was coming in at us. Okay, so we've garlic done. Now, this is a lovely question actually in relation to daffodils. A group of people planning to grow daffodils for Daffodil Day next spring. Okay. What type of daffodil should we grow? Something with a long cutting stem, please. Yeah, well, what would spring to mind are, um, there's a lovely variety called Dutch Master, which has produces a lovely big-headed um, uh, yellow daffodil with a nice trumpet and it's got a, quite a long stem that's a, that's a very good one a good early variety as well is one called Carlton which uh, which again is a bright yellow uh, and, and a really good uh, nice variety and if you wanted something maybe just a different colour just to add a, a splash of colour through them Ice Follicles is a lovely variety which has um, white and kind of cream coloured flowers so any of those so Dutch Master is the kind of traditional long stemmed big headed uh, daffodil which would flower um, March, April sort of period um, and would be ideal. Carlton is another very good one and Ice Follicles is a is a, another long, good long right. stem variety so any of those but a lovely idea and a great time to plant daffodils actually yeah. and you'll get many many years of cutting from them so so it's, so, so the project that you're undertaking uh, for this year will obviously reap the rewards for yeah. daffodil days to come not yeah. just for 2014 and I know we had, we had a group we had a group from mm. Toome uh, call us um, Patty from Toome actually rang me a couple of weeks back with a similar question they were looking to to put in a whole range of, of uh, bulbs of daffodils for for, for cancer for uh, daffodil for day. day yeah and to grow them all themselves and, and pick them so it's a, it's a lovely idea yeah. and I think the variety we were recommended at that time was Dutch Master so it's a very good one very good one for for cutting okay and would they be hardy enough too I suppose oh, yeah, totally I, I seem to recall this year I mean because we had uh, you know the spring where it didn't really become springtime until later in yeah. the year and as far as I recall I remember people saying that they were finding it a little challenging to get daffodils for daffodil day well, naturally, in the year gone by so yeah. you're going to get I mean obviously the, the, the flowering time mm. is going to be triggered by the, the sort of weather we get but Dutch Master has a long flowering period um, and is a very tough reliable hardy variety so it's a, it's an old variety, but 
tried and, and tested. And tested. Yeah, so okay. it's a good one. Excellent. And long lived as well, so you get many, many years of cutting from it. Now, my lawn was covered in moss last winter. I got rid of it this Great. summer. How do I stop it now from coming back this winter? Well, the, the, the trick really, and I see moss beginning to come back in some lawns at the moment, so a little bit of the Osmo yeah, moss remover applied now will just nip it in, in the bud and the weather conditions are ideal for getting on the Osmo. So one application will be sufficient, put it on now and, and that should see the moss gone for the, the rest of the autumn winter period great now planting up by pots with some spring flowering primroses um, wondering can they use some bulbs with them in the yeah. pots any particular types well again any of the dwarf varieties are good so again thinking about get, to get a kind of good longevity of colour the crocuses are lovely in pots mm. um, Narcissi Jetfire is a lovely variety it's got a, a, a kind of a yellow or orange trumpet with a yellow petals it's a really nice one Tate to Tate is another really nice dwarf miniature dafter that flowers early or February gold any of those are, are really good. Red riding, I've, I think I've mentioned all, already. Scented hyacinths are lovely as well because you've got that beautiful scent in April. Um, and any of those will work where you're planting the top of the pot with primroses, obviously, in this case, or winter pansies or violas. You can simply just put the bulbs, put two layers of bulbs in first, right. then put a fresh layer of compost on top of the last the top layer of bulbs and then plant your primroses or your pansies or whatever and the bulbs will just come straight, straight through, through them come the springtime. Right, Great you know, time and to you do have it. a real splash of colour Yeah, and when they go out of flower then say next April, May you simply just take them out of the pots and put them into the garden and they'll flower in the garden after that. Excellent. Now, uh, a listener has seen fig trees growing in oh, older yeah. gardens. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. Is it fruiting po- figs, yeah. Fruiting figs, right. Is it possible to grow them here in the west of Ireland and would you have any tips on how to grow them? Uh, yeah, the figs are, funny enough, they, they, you'll see them in, in older gardens. Um, you know, they were very popular in Victorian gardens and uh, from memory, Kyle Morabi uh, have a lovely garden up there. It's well worth a visit yes, if people want to take it, have a day yeah. out. But from memory, the last time I was there, they have a fig tree growing in the, in the fruiting, in the fruit garden against a wall and that's the way to grow it. So figs are the tree itself needs, particularly in the west of Ireland, it needs its south facing wall somewhere warm um, and the, by planting it against a wall it acts like a storage heater so it traps the heat during the day and right. releases the heat at night time and that's what the fig trees like. So to get them to fruit well they really need to be on a south facing uh, sheltered wall where they're going to receive full sun and shelter from the northerly winds the cold winds that are going to set them back. So if you are planting them, first of all they're, they're, they are easy to grow, they yeah. are frost hardy okay. um, the variety to look for is one called brown turkey brown turkey it's a it's a winter hardy variety but more importantly it's self-fertile it bears fruit on its own so you don't need to have partners with it okay um and really it'll take a couple of years from planting if you plant the fig tree this at this time of year it's probably going to take take it three or four years before it settles down to to fruiting it'll grow quite strongly and it's actually a very decorative plant the leaves are leathery large uh, very deep rich green Mm. so as a wall plant it actually looks really well but it's an added bonus to get the figs on it as well. And what you often find is that they'll, f- they'll form the little fig embryos. The small fruits will be on them in August, September, this time of year. Mm. And they then will overwinter and produce the larger figs next summer. So it takes nearly two years to f- from the fruit, once the fruit is formed, to actually it, it becoming ripe and, and ready to use. Okay. So really, the, if you, the, the answer to the question is yes, you can certainly grow them. They are frost hardy. Pick a sunny, sheltered wall in the garden if you can at all possible. Grow it like a wall climber, like a use the wall like support for the fig tree. Yes. 
tie it in with a couple of wires and the wall will give it that extra shelter and support it needs. And the other thing I would do is put, when you're planting it, put a, a slate or a paving slab underneath it to restrict the roots because they tend to be quite vigorous and sometimes they can do a lot of growing at the expense of fruiting. So by restricting them a little bit, it's, it actually helps to slow them down and force them into flowering and fruiting. Uh, but they're, they're kind of a novelty. Mm. Uh, you're never going to get buckets of figs off the oh, trees. Right, it's but just a more, it's, kick it's more a, a novelty. kick of growing them. Yeah, and, and to see the figs coming on and, and you know, over two years forming into, um, into proper fruiting figs is... And figs, because figs are naturally more Mediterranean they climate, are. is it? Mediterranean yeah. climate, um, yeah, warmer, warmer climates really is what they what they prefer. But you kind of recreate that in, you know, by giving the wall exactly, a shelter and exactly. providing. The and work. we have such a mild climate. You know, you're not getting the heavy frost that that knocked them back. So yeah. the climate conditions are ideal, but they do need the added bit of heat. And as a summer like this year, they'll fruit extremely well. If you get a poor summer, obviously they're, they're they're, not, you may not get fruit at all. So right. it's the, it's going to be the type of plant that will fruit maybe every second or third year for you. But still a sense of achievement, oh, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, no, well worth growing yeah. and the plants are available in, in local gardens. And so brown turkey, brown is, turkey. Is, is the fig variety to look for. Great. Um, and from figs, we're going to something else that I always associate with the Mediterranean, and that's grapes. <laughs> a grapevine has grown great over the summer, lots of grapes, but how do they prune them back and when is a good time? Pruning back when, and grape trees, they don't say they're growing them inside or, or outside, do they? They don't. Right. They're better in a tunnel yeah. or in a greenhouse yeah. or um, again down in the, the Museum of Country Life in Castlebar they've a lovely uh, grapevine growing in the um, in the lean-to greenhouse as you come into the museum. It's worth a look if you're down there someday. Um, so in a greenhouse and tunnel, very successful and they do produce um, edible grapes uh, but the, the trouble with grapes, they're so vigorous, so fast-growing. Um, so we're coming into the time of year, November to January is the time to cut uh, grapevines back and you really need to end up with a central stem, a kind of rod going down the centre of the greenhouse or tunnel um, and small side shoots coming off that. So you want a kind of a central stem with side branching. So you, that's how to put manners on the grapevine. Mm. Don't Otherwise it'll end up in a, a large lump or clump at the bottom of the greenhouse um, with lots of growth on it. So you really want to train it and, and put it up the uh, roof of the greenhouse on the inside of the tunnel and train it out on the frame. Uh, so it nearly, it gives you kind of shell, it gives you... Um, Shading in the summertime, but the grapes are kept up high uh, in the in the in the tunnel or greenhouse. So my advice really is wait for it to go out a leaf, which it will in the next couple of weeks, and then prune it quite hard back, trying to leave one central stem with small short side shoots. So you're cutting the sh- side shoots back to about an inch from the main stem. So you'll have one central main stem with small side shoots coming off that. And that's really the way to prune it back. So November to to late January is the time to prune them back. Don't prune them after that because they tend to bleed. They tend to lose a lot of sap after that. Okay. Um, But they are, they're very easy to grow. Black Hamburg is a very good variety. It's got very dark uh, purple type fruit. And um, the other trick with grapes is is not not to allow them to fruit too much, to take off some of the bunches in in the summer period because otherwise you tend to end up with smaller, smaller. yeah yeah small fruits rather than yeah, but they are they're very easy to grow okay uh, summer bedding plants they're now getting as you mentioned I think at the start they're starting to get black and leggy at this yeah, stage a yeah, uh, listener too. would like to know can they clear them out or should they clear them out and what should they plant in their yeah, place yeah if, if they're going over and particularly if the frost has, has um, 
blacken them back, take them out. This weekend would be ideal actually for getting them out of the ground. Um, clean off the bed. There'll probably be a little bit some weeds there as well. So tidy up the bed. Give it a light forking over. Um, a handful of, of Vitex Q4 fertiliser would be no harm to add to the soil. And then you're into the, all the autumn bedding. So things like wallflowers, forget-me-nots, primroses, winter pansies, winter violas. All of those are available now for planting. Good. And it's nice to mix a few bulbs through them. So yes. if you're putting in a, a bed of wallflowers, put in some long-stemmed, the Darwin-type tulips, which will flower above the wallflowers in the springtime and, again, are lovely for cutting next April or May. Um, so some bulbs and some spring bedding, okay. any of the spring bedding, stock, wallflowers, sweet william, forget-me-nots, all of those would be ideal. Great. They're all hardy. Um, and I know we mentioned hedges earlier, but as somebody who'd like to plant a seaside uh, hedge or garden, a seaside a hedge in a seaside garden, uh, I'm getting tongue twisted now. Um, they'd like they want shelter for their other garden plants. Yeah, well, the, well, the one that comes to mind is Iliagnus abengii, the silver-leaved Iliagnus, a really great, great hedging plant for seaside locations. Um, silver leaves, twelve months of the year, very, very easy to grow. It'll grow six, seven, eight feet if you let it, or you can keep it shorter if you wish. Uh, but it certainly stands up to the salt air and um, and and wind, windy conditions. So that's Iliagnus abengii probably and, and also s- tolerates the, the, the frosty conditions as well. It survived oh, the frost for the, you know, three years yes, ago. Yeah. So Iliagnus abengii. That's, if you pop down over the weekend, we, we can show you what the plant, the listener, what the plant looks like. Excellent. Uh, a lady got a present of a Virginia creeper with red leaves. She has no idea how to look after okay. it. Uh, will she leave it in the pot in the pot, or plant it outside? No, plant it out of doors. The colour is beginning to, it's changing now, with that lovely red colour. Remember, it's a very vigorous climber. Um, and so it'll need the support of a wall um, really, one plant could cover an eight foot wall, eight feet high by six feet wide comfortably. Okay. Uh, but it'll grow on a low wall as well. It'll really take the, whatever the shape of the wall is, it'll follow that shape. So plant it out of doors, prepare the soil well, put in some organic matter when you're planting it or some planting compost. Plant it to the same depth that it's in the pot, tease out the roots a little bit. And the most important thing is once you spread it onto the wall, tack it on with a, few, a couple of electrician clips. And once it gets a feel of the wall in the springtime, it'll root onto the wall and take off. Right. Um, and that's it. It's a very, very easy plant to grow. But give it, give it a bit of space. It does need uh, a low wall is fine as long as it's got you know plenty of room to spread. Great. Um, now, a couple of questions on pruning roses. So, okay. somebody's just wondering, generally, is it too late to prune roses? Somebody else is a rose bush. Still flowering, but it needs pruning. What should they do? Well, if it's still flowering, I'd, I'd leave it alone, to be honest, and let it flower away, because, mm. again, with this sort of weather, roses are continuing to bloom. But you can start to tidy them back. If, if the main show of colour has gone over in your roses, it's a good time just to tidy them back. Take them back by at least half, by 50 or 60%. And, uh, you know, remove any dead wood, remove any thin, wispy branches. Kind of start tidying them up now for the for the winter period. Uh, because if we do get into windy weather, roses can suffer from wind rock. They can be knocked around and blown around and, and become loose in the ground. So if the show of colour has gone over, by all means, tidy them back now, prune them back to within certainly 50-60% of the growth and um, and that's all that needs to be done. T- tidy off the bed, take all the clippings away and um, just tidy them up and kind of put them to bed for the winter. Excellent. Now, we have a pink ornamental acer outside in a pot. It's a beautiful Lovely. tree. Should I bring it inside for the winter or does it need to be planted? No, no. If it's an acer, if it's one of the maples, it's probably a Japanese maple, they're totally hardy out of doors. They are deciduous. They shed their, their leaves in the winter time. So enjoy the colour at the moment and the colder the nights get, the kind of more intense 
hence the pink and red and amber colours will come into uh, variegated into maples into acers. So leave it alone. It's a plant to be left out of doors. I plant it in the garden, to be quite honest. Um, they tend not to be very large trees, so you know they'll grow six feet, maybe seven feet over a long number of years. Yep. So put it into a shrub bed with, with smaller shrubs, or it's a great plant for growing in a container, a nice big terracotta pot. You know, put into a, a good quality compost and soil, and and grow it out of doors. But it's an outdoor plant, and bring it inside will actually spoil it. Excellent. Now, um, somebody's got a polytunnel poric. Good. Can yeah. you give be, give them a few tips on what's the best site and soil to grow? The, the, the best site? I suppose, sorry, yeah, sorry. The, where, the, where the best site is and what soil to grow Okay, in. well, tunnel, the tunnel needs to be in a sunny location to, to make best use of it. So pick a south-facing uh, aspect or a west-facing aspect. The sunniest part of the garden, if possible. Obviously, it needs to be in reasonable shelter that's not going to get blown away. Um, and with the soil will depend. I mean, a lot of a lot of people will grow the... put in some raised beds in, in the polytunnel. So mm-hmm. they'll create them from sleepers or from scaffolding little planks and create a kind of a raised bed area where you can put in some compost and some good quality soil and create a, a raised bed effect which makes it easier to garden within the tunnel. Now there's nothing wrong with using the border soil as well but into that I would mix some um, grow wise uh, soil enricher uh, just to enrich the soil and lighten it um, so you can either ra- do some raised beds yep. you can grow the soil in you can use the soil that's actually in the garden if it's good quality um, or you can do a bit of both and there's in, within the tunnels you can often grow many plants in tubs and containers so it's really up to yourself uh, you know what? what you know you can whatever suits yourself either the raised beds use the garden soil that's there or grow some of a lot of your plants like tomatoes and potatoes and so on in tubs and containers within the greenhouse or you can do a whole mix of any of those um, raised beds is probably the best way right. you, you know because you can control the soil, soil that's going yeah. in there because they're raised they're easier to work uh, and, and to put plants in and remember the tunnel at this time of year there's lots of things you can be growing like we mentioned the sweet peas mm-hmm. they'd be lovely to go in there at the moment um, the bulbs planting up the bulbs stick them into the tunnel for the for the for the winter and, and you know some polytunnels are clear and other polytunnels are you know it's kind of colors the way they are they're they're does it matter if about light, daylight you know Oh, it does. Yeah, <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> the color, well, the color, if they're coloured, they yeah. maybe it may be that the plastic is old. Yeah. I mean, ideally, they should be clear. Okay. The more light okay. that gets yeah. into that's the tunnel, my, that's my voice. Yeah. Or sometimes they they get a bit of algae growing yeah. on the tunnel. If it's shaded or under trees, you'll get that green scum kind of algae growing on it. Now, patio magic will actually take that off. Right. So you want to keep the the, the and that's why I'd pick a, a bright, sunny open position really for the tunnel because you, you want to keep the plastic as clear as possible. possible. Um, but over time it is going to kind of go a, a, an off-white opaque colour just due to weathering. And generally the covers last about five years. Every five years you need to be changing the covers to get right. the best light okay. in. Okay. But it, a tunnel allows you so much versatility in the garden. At this time of year there's so many things you can be sowing, seeds and bulbs and so on. The grapevine that we mentioned, peaches, nectarines can be grown in the greenhouses. Potatoes for Christmas all that oh. kind of stuff can be so can really use them and tomatoes of course and all of those during the, the spring and summer months can be used as well or if you want to grow a bit of veg or herbs over the winter period the tunnel is an ideal location for that and you're able to control the environment a little bit exactly yeah. or if you say you had pots of herbs outside parsley yeah. to, to protect them for the winter Pot them can, in. yeah trim them back lightly bring them into the tunnel keep them watered and you get a second flush of growth on the plants because you're, the tunnel gives you that extra three or four degrees higher than outside Side. 
So okay. it's, it's kind of keeping things growing nearly all year round. Excellent. That's that's as that's f- much we have time for today. Yeah. Right. So go, hedging weekend. Remember this the weekend. hedging weekend. Yeah, in in our Galway, Sligo, and Castlebar Centre. Anybody interested in, in putting in a hedge, come down and talk to, to the guys. We've a great range of plans to show you, um, and also lawn care. If you're interested in lawn care, we've got a couple of people to talk to you about what to do with the lawn at this time of year. Excellent. Well, listen, thanks very much indeed, Porrig. And we shall back. talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> All going well next Saturday. Good yeah. to have you back as well. Um, that's it from me. Stand by. Michael Neary is on the way after the news at 10, uh, which is coming up next with Angelina Nugent. For me, for the moment, a very good morning to you.